0: Welcome to WrestleWolf, this is AEW Weekly, I'm Dr. Damian Gibson, and joining me as always is the man who only deals in kayfabe and nothing else, it's Matthew Kayfabe.
1: What a good week to be a wrestling fan. Particularly a Melbourne wrestling fan when we're we're back in five day lockdown, so <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna watch a lot of ECW this weekend. I think.
0: Yeah, I actually thought the same thing. Just for anyone who's new, what we do here is uh, talk about wrestling. So uh, this show we talk about uh, Impact, which is kind of an AEW show, sort of kind of. Um, I'm sure Impact fans would get upset with that. Uh, um, AEW heat, as I like to call it. Yeah, Thursday Thursday night. Thunder <laughs> and uh, um and we talk about uh, AW Dynamite. So we'll go th- we go through the card. We talk about what we like, what we didn't like, whether we're all in, all out. Uh, remember how we were meant to be doing that every week, Matt? We only did it for one week. <laughs>
1: That's all right. We're g- we're gonna we're gonna get back to that. We're gonna like obviously we're gonna continue to cover any Billy Joel news that comes out, Billy Corgan um, news we're 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 spending a lot of time um obviously working on Allentown, Town the Billy Joel story podcast that will launch on Wrestlewolf pretty soon um but we'll keep you obviously abra- appraised if uh we hear anything about Billy Joel new albums um you know reissues of River of
0: Dreams that kind of stuff oh god god I would love that on vinyl that's a vinyl album river of dreams
1: <laughs> i'm going to be honest you can get that on vinyl
0: right now Yeah. Uh-huh. Shit, now I have to buy it. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, All right, let's get into it. So, first of all, we had Impact. Uh, All the stories are motoring along, heading into No Surrender. Some excellent promos about Tommy Dreamer. Uh, Moose is still hanging around the title picture and probably will get involved uh, during No Surrender on the weekend, uh, if not straight after that. Was there anything... Impact-wise that you wanted to bring up, Matthew? Look,
1: it's it's half impact-wise. Uh, I thought one of the greatest and strangest things I've ever seen ever was the Tony Khan promo where he refers to himself <laughs> as the forbidden door <laughs> and talks about being opened. Like, this is, this is starting to become a David Lynchian fever dream
0: and it's just so wonderful. <laughs> I love it. I also love- um, I love Tony in those, pro- like, uh, sorry, Tony Schiavone uh, in those um, promos. Like, he's just such a, what are we going to do today, boss? Like, he's such a lackey brown nose. <laughs> like, he just play. he actually plays that part really well. Tony Khan is increasingly becoming Patrick
1: Bateman in American Psycho. Absolutely. Where he's just, like, living in this internal world, probably doing a little bit too much cocaine. And, uh, you know- He's, he's projecting his internal world onto the onto the real world and onto the the screen and it's just wonderful
0: what I do like about it though is that like he's only this character on impact you know like he's <laughs> not you don't see him on Dynamite he's not he's almost like a mystic McMahon kind of figure in impact but then on Dynamite he's TK you know the best boss I- in the world <laughs>
1: the- I think it's uh it's It's theoretically we should all hate Tony Khan because he's like a rich kid who was like, I don't need wrestling figures. I'm rich enough to play with real wrestlers. (laughs) But also he is living all of our
0: dreams right now. Absolutely. But he's also really good at it. Like he's, you know, as we'll get into in Dynamite, uh, he is really good at booking. I mean, I'm sure, you know. He is, he's booking QT Marshall on television,
1: so I'm not 100% yeah. on board. But, I, uh, yeah,
0: I think he might be getting some pressure from certain, um, you know, what do they call themselves? Vice executives or vice, what do what what the elite call themselves in AEW? What's their official title? <laughs> vice presidents. Vice presidents. <laughs> um, I mean, you would be, yeah, there, there's, yeah. I'm sure there's a lot of pressure coming from the Nightmare Collective or whatever the Ugh. hell they, they call themselves. We'll get to that. Um, yeah, I thought uh, MJF and Chris Jericho's promos about Tommy Dreamer were pretty funny. Um, yes. Yeah, just nice stuff. I get the vibe. Fu- this is my prediction. Mm. I could be wrong. I'm going to steal your catchphrase. I could be wrong, but I doubt it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I think Tommy Dreamer will be taken out at the- Like, no surrender will open with Tommy Dreamer having been- Like, having the shit kicked out of him. Um, And then Moose will have to be in the world title fight. You may be right, as Billy Joel once said. Uh, Either at the beginning of the pay-per-view or during the course of the match. Because they were just making such a big deal out of his birthday- you know, out of his 50th birthday. I mean, it's just not a, so it's not a usual trope, right? Like, when was the last time you saw a whole <laughs> promotions down tools to say happy birthday on air? to So, like, it has to be part of a storyline. It, it can't just be Impact being nice, right?
1: I mean, it theoretically could be, but it won't be.
0: No, it <clears throat> absolutely won't be. And uh, who's the um, – is it Craig – Who's the sort of GM character on Impact? Is that his name? Craig, mm-hmm. the chubby Canadian guy? No.
1: I don't know his name, but it's not Craig. Uh,
0: isn't it Chris? Craig? It starts with C. Anyway, he's great. He's like a... Uh, him and Don Callis are the breakout stars for me for 2021.
1: <laughs> I mean, uh, I, I, I'm i a big... Uh, I think Chris Bay and uh, Rich Swan and Moose are all fantastic. I don't like Um,
0: wrestlers. I only like people who play, uh, uh, you know, admin stuff. (laughs) So, I like, uh, you know, I like uh, Craig. Let's just call him Craig. I like Don Callis. I like Tony Khan. (laughs) I like Stephanie McMahon. Uh (laughs) That's fair. Anyway, let's get into Dynamite. Uh, It was a good start. Recapping of uh we got a recapping of Kent's surprise run in uh that uh, led into Mox's promo. I loved Mox showing the IWGP US title or the New Japan US title. I actually got like a little pop when he popped it up on his shoulder. I was like, Oh holy shit, he's got the belt. Um and saying there were a whole bunch of people that are wanting to take him out and he wished them luck. What did you think of this promo? Uh
1: I think that New Japan should immediately rename their titles because being like, I'm the IWGP uh, junior heavyweight Champ, like, it's just, it's too much. <laughs> it's too much, New Japan. It's too much. <laughs> Come on. But this promo was, uh, like, I think I might no longer be a John Moxley hater because uh, I like it. I like everything he does. <laughs> <laughs> I think you didn't
0: like him as champion.
1: Not as not as uh, a W champion, but I like him as IWGP Junior Heavyweight Multiweight Champion.
0: <laughs> it's not it's not that hard. I mean, it's IWGP. U.S. Well, actually, it's new. <laughs> it's New Japan Pro Wrestling IWGP U.S. Champion. It's not that hard, man. I don't. know. That <laughs> uh, doesn't doesn't sound good to me. No, it doesn't roll off the tongue, does it? Um, uh, the, f- the the multi grain tra- champion. <laughs> the first match we got uh, was Darby Allen versus Joey Janela. Uh, Joey Janela looked good in this match. Darby Allen got the win, clean with a coffin drop. Uh, any thoughts about our two young protagonists here for the TNT title.
1: Yeah, like, I think, like, Darby's great when he's wrestling, um, you know, and when he's not doing those stupid promos. um, (laughs) But given he hasn't done one for some time, I'm going to stop mentioning them and hope that everyone forgets. Um, The Joey Janela was, like, the man on the indie scene for so long. Mm. And... He's quite loose in the ring, which, like, is perfectly fine with Darby because Darby seems, like, intent on just getting an ABI. <laughs> um, but but Joey feels like he could be used a little bit better or could, or could not, not that it's not AEW's fault. It's not Tony Khan's fault. Joey Janela feels like if he put in a little bit more effort, he could be a great character on TV. And at mm-hmm. the moment, he's just sort of... You know, floating about, but this was this was the best match he's had in AEW.
0: Yeah, I tend to agree with both of those points. He, there is some, there are some, um, uh, sports people who, um, come across as uh, lackadaisical Call is always the word that's used. You know, like, a, um, I'm trying to think of a global uh, example that everyone can. You know, go, oh, I know what you're talking about, but the only person keeps coming to mind is Mark War, Australian cricketer Mark War, <laughs> who played like a hundred tests for Australia, but just looked like he didn't give a shit the whole time and was a great cricketer, but just was always sort of like, you know, just looked like he didn't want to be there. Yeah. And I think Joey Donella had like may suffer from the same sort of thing, you know, like it just comes across as like. He doesn't. Nick Kyrios, the tennis player, is uh, mm. someone who has body language like that. You know, like um, he's the kind of guy that maybe could be.
1: You know, he could go down and and have some X division matches or some monsters ball matches in Impact, and you know, maybe build up a little bit more buzz. Uh, on a semi, I don't know. Is that, do you count Impact as like a national stage? I do. Yeah. I like Impact. Definitely now. Um, yeah,
0: for sure. I mean, that sounds so, <laughs> so backhanded. Now, now they've working, got Private Party. Yeah. Now, uh. <laughs> now that big money Matt Hardy's on there. Yeah, of course. Um, no, I, I, he's also, to be fair to Joey Danella, he's had a very stop start AEW career. Like mm. when they first started, he was, you know, he was mm. on the package, like he was like, oh, and Joey Danella. Well, and he then... was in the
1: in the first press conference.
0: Yeah, and should have been because he was a star, like you like you say, he was a star on the Indies. And mm. then they, I don't know, you know. And then it, there was the tag team thing um, with the the concrete rose, Sunny Kiss, Sunny Kiss,
1: also seems to have disappeared.
0: Yeah. Well, yeah. Is he injured? He might be injured. He was in the crowd for this dynamite because I I clocked him. Was like, oh, I wonder what's going on with. Mm. Sunny Kiss, but um, I don't think they've known. My point is, I don't think they've known what to do with Joey, and so like yes. he kind of he pops up as almost like the second last hurdle for someone mm. before they get it. You know what I mean? It's like, oh well, he had a win against Joey Janella. so like that means something, but it's not like mm. a win like over Moxley. Cody or-
1: you know, Moxley had a match with Janella. Like obviously, these guys like him and like wrestling him. Hmm. But I, I really do think he would benefit from going down to impact developmental, and uh, <laughs> you know, just mucking around there for a little while. Like, let's send Rich up, Rich Swan up to the big leagues, and uh, send back Joey Janella, and let Janella sort of have a bit of it, some actual storylines. That'd be nice.
0: Yeah, I, I think Joey Janella would would bolster. Impacts uh, roster significantly. Mm. You well, know. him and Sally, Sam, Sally, Sally Canahan,
1: Cal- Canahan Sammy Callahan. What is going on? <laughs> I think I just had a minor stroke. Yeah. Um, Sally Cinnamon, Sally. C- <laughs> That's right. We're your official Stone Roses uh, tribute podcast. It's a baggy podcast from now on. <laughs> I'm dancing like Bez. <laughs> um. Oasis were once asked if uh, the So Sally Can Wait in Don't Look Back in Anger, if that was Sally Cinnamon, and I think Noel Gallagher was like, it's not, but now I'm going to say it is because that's better. <laughs> <laughs> it's like everyone knows Oasis just wrote their songs being like, what's a name? Sally. Chuck it in. Like, they weren't oh, like, oh, we know a Sally and we've really thought about this.
0: Absolutely, yeah. No, like, the, the, yeah, Noel Gallagher, Noel Gallagher is the, he's the... <laughs> Joey Janella of songwriting. <laughs> <laughs> he are just has the- all the natural ability in the world, but doesn't go the extra mile to try and put any sort of artistic <laughs> endeavour in it. It's just like, well, that chord progression's nice, and here's a melody. Fucking lay it down. Off we go. <laughs> here's, here's some Beatles lyrics I've rewritten. Um, oh, the, uh, absolutely. So, there you- are some songs where he just is like literally is naming Beatles songs. Well, a, it's a morning glory. Tomorrow never knows, but he doesn't know too soon. Well, he, he like, says, he says,
1: uh, uh, you know, going to start a revolution from my bed, which yeah. is John Lennon said when he sat in bed. He's talking <laughs> about bed piece, people. Is, are we in the master plan era of Joey Janela's career? Is that what are we? Are, are we heading towards heathen chemistry? Is that? <laughs> I don't mind heathen chemistry. I had
0: some all right songs on it. That. That's the most you take possible. Like, look, look, man, Dig Out Your Soul has some good stuff on it. Okay? It does have some good stuff on it. And most importantly, they had fucking good haircuts then. That's the most important thing. <laughs> you got to look good, kids. I'm looking at you like a version Triple J bands. <laughs> Go and get a fucking decent haircut. Stop wearing your dad's fishing caps on TV. Makes no
1: sense. Anyway. The uh, the master plan era. But, but was, that, was that standing on the shoulder of
0: giants or was that he... When Standing of them. the Shoulders of Giants was the first album after the band had completely fallen apart. After Be Here Now, and then they disappeared for like three years. That and then they—that's the one with like the full on, like just like very clearly they were doing a lot of acid. No, they'd all quit. Like uh, well, Liam hadn't, but Nola had quit drugs and everything by then. What's the master plan on? Is that Be Here? Master and- plan was just their B side album ah. that they released in between uh, Be Here. You're talking about Be Here Now. Yeah. Well, the third mean, album.
1: Yeah. That's, that's not it a It was
0: definitely album. maybe Morning Glory, biggest band in the world. Everyone loved them. Everyone wanted a piece of them. Cocaine got involved. They <laughs> may be here now. <laughs> and then their fucking, not the, their career fell apart, but, you know, they were meant to break America and they almost broke up, you know, on numerous occasions on that tour of America. Listening to Nolan Liam talk about that tour of America is actually... There's a whole documentary in that, I reckon, of Oasis trying to break America. But anyway, Mm. uh, let's get back to the action. Next, uh, we move to uh, Sammy confronting MJF. Uh, MJF tries to, he tries to GOP this and say that it was Sammy who hates Jericho. (laughs) And Sammy sarcastically agrees, like, yeah, no, of course, I hate Chris Jericho, blah, blah, blah. Uh, MJF turns into a Bond villain and goes, "Mm, good, good. I've recorded the whole thing Uh, and tells Sammy that he just recorded that. Sammy grabs MJF's phone, smashes it against the wall. And then he does what I like to call a friend punch to the guts. You know what I mean? Where you're really angry with a friend and uh, you want to punch them, but you don't want to really hurt them. So you just punch them in the stomach because it'll do the least amount of damage. Uh, What did we? And then Sammy storms out. Um, what did you think of this? I mean,
1: this is probably best spoken, best delved into in the the later Inner Circle segment. But what I really liked about this particular segment was that Sammy opened it with, hey, I watched this last week. I know what, like, I saw this.
0: I know what you're trying to do. There was a bit of that on this episode, and I really appreciate it, like, mm. of them... Um, acknowledging (laughs) acknowledging that the cameraman was there Mm. so i just thought of alex marvez for a second it just made me laugh um and (laughs) and uh uh acknowledging that it's a fucking tv show and that they can watch it Mm. chris Jericho's big on that so i think that's his directive you know like yeah i've heard him bang on about that on numerous occasions and he's right like um it's you know it it makes no sense when wrestlers are you know Talking about their devious plans on camera. But mm. anyway, uh, next up, we had Cody Lowe. Co- Whoa. What is happening to us today? Cody Rhodes and Lee Johnson versus Peter Avalon and Cedric Peroni. Is that right? I don't know. I'm, pretty- I'm not a big I tri-
1: Cedric Peroni fan.
0: I tried, to, I tried to find anything about him and I just couldn't. Uh, Anyway, Cody Rhodes and Lee Johnson uh, get a win with a surprise roll up. Well, Lee Johnson got the surprise roll up. Uh, Johnson gets to cut a promo and shouts out everyone except QT Marshall, which made me instantly fall in love with Lee Johnson. <laughs> uh, judging by QT's terrible acting in the background, a story is planned.
1: I don't want to go out of I don't want to go out of kayfabe, but I'm about to. Uh, apparently Cody Rhodes has been just like watching the Larry's Abisco, Bruno Sammartino feud, uh, where the, the, tra- you know, the, the, the sort of legendary trainer QT Marshall bring being the Bruno Sammartino of, uh, AEW, uh, is, is his protege turns on him. Um, so I think that's just where we're going. I don't want to see this. I don't care. Let's, let's let this happen on dark. Uh, let's have yeah. Cody go away for a little while. I feel that Cody Rhodes uh, being the face of Black History Month on uh, AEW may have uh, overexposed him to me. <laughs>
0: <laughs> he's married to a black lady. So, you know, he's basically black. Is that what he's saying? Well, that's... It It <laughs> seems it a bit like, 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 that, like right?
1: it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, fuck the Nightmare Family. Like, really just fuck them. I just don't care.
0: I love Cody. Cody needs to be... Like, the reason why his dad worked as a baby face in the old WCW and why he usually works is they're on their own. Mm. The face needs to be on their own. They don't have a big giant entourage because that's dicky. You know what I mean? Like, that's. It also makes him look like such a fucking idiot to be
1: like, hey, it's like the. the Kenny Omega has like the good brothers and the young bucks and. You know, John Moxley's a a lone wolf. Uh, Taz has fucking Will Hobbs and Brian Cage and Ricky Starks. I've got uh, this skinny guy you've never heard of, QT Marshall, my elderly brother, and my dog. (laughs) It's like, I want to beat them up. (laughs) Like,
0: it's the Sandlot kids of wrestling at the moment. (laughs) It really is. Uh, Yeah, I think you're right. Cody going away for a bit. Would uh, I think it's the right thing for, for everyone. But mm. anyway, uh, we move backstage. The Young Bucks are just hanging out. Uh, Gallo- and uh, Gallows and Anderson come up to them. They tell Gallows and Anderson that if they hadn't interrupted last week in the tag team battle royale, they would have won. And they would have picked Gallows and Anderson for a championship match. It would have been an inter-bullet club spectacular. After, after being razzed up. By Gallows and Anderson, the Young Bucks announced that they will challenge Santana and Ortiz for the AEW tag belts next week on Dynamite. We, we've we we've got a wrestling match. Great. They're, they're doing a lot of good. They've started to sort of pick up their character
1: work a little bit and not just have, oh, shit, I'm excited to see this match, but I don't know why it's happening, which was like a real mm. thing that Dynamite did. Now it's like every match you're like, not every match, but lots of matches. You're like, hey, there's a reason for this match. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's all we ask for. Like, I um, It's not all we I ask for. Really- Let's be very clear. <laughs> You're like, and tag team partners must dress the same. And yep. I, I want people to look uh, handsome or fat. Um.
0: <laughs> look, I have a lot of rules. But I just... <laughs> Rock stars should have fucking good haircuts. That's my number one rule. That's number one. Uh <laughs> No, look, I I really really enjoyed this episode of Dynamite. The uh, probably the most I've enjoyed a, a Dynamite, I reckon, in three or four weeks, man. And and what I really, and not to say that those other Dynamites I was hating on, but what I really liked about this uh, episode is the amount of storytelling in it. Like, you know, just little this. There were so many promos, but all the promos were necessary, and they all helped the story putter along you know what i mean like to move along to whatever that what is the net revolution is the next pay-per-view revolution like is the next, next month yes. and the good thing about aw having those quarterly pay-per-views is that you can tell stories over a long period of time and i don't know if they've been utilizing that as much as they possibly could but as i said before i think the brodie lee thing really uh sorry the Brody lee thing Brody lee passing away um would have had a huge effect on everyone involved in the promotion. So, you know, I'm trying not to be too harsh on, you know, a bunch of people who were obviously grieving and trying to work at the same time. So, uh, but I feel like they've really hit their straps with this episode. And hopefully it it stays at this sort of level um, going into revolution. The only other thing I was going to say is I did watch raw this week and I couldn't help but think last night when I was watching dynamite that, Maybe my pleasure in watching Dynamite was in comparison to watching Raw. Well, I haven't watched Raw
1: in a very long time, and uh, I, this was a great episode of Dynamite. I, I like you may you may have enjoyed it more due to the fact that you know that shit wrestling is happening elsewhere. But uh, this was actually good.
0: I didn't hate on Raw as much as I thought I would. It's the first Raw I'd watched in a while. I'd been watching SmackDown a little bit, but not much Raw. And I watched Raw. I was like, oh, look, it's not great, but it's WWE. What do you expect? This is how they book things. Um, And there was still some good part, you know, like Edge is great and Randy Orton's great and Drew McIntyre's great. So there's enough people on there. There's enough talent on there for you to go, eh. Uh, But then coming into Dynamite, I was like, God, this is great. Like the storyline. Anyway, Dasha is interviewing or about to interview Hangman Page in the car park. And asks if he'll tag with Matt Hardy before he gets to answer uh, Big Money, Matt interrupts and invites Adam out for a big money night on the town. <laughs> I kind of like Matt Hardy saying big money everything, you know, like yes. <laughs> like 1966 Batman <laughs> where everything's a, a bat phone, bat car, Batarack. This uh, is a much more effective
1: character for him than uh than broken Matt at this point.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Hangman says yes to the big money night out in the town and goes off to grab his bag. Oh, I think he says phone, but then pulls his phone out of his <laughs> jeans anyway, which is pretty funny. And on the way, he bumps into uh, the Dark Order and they have a very awkward ex-partner moment, uh, which actually made me laugh out loud. What I assume that you loved every second of this, Matt?
1: Yeah, I mean, I love. I'm glad that this storyline hasn't ended. I like. I, I know we've. Uh, argued passionately either side of this but i really like uh the hangman trying to be seduced by the dark order and the dark order are no longer like creepy uh cult people they're just like a bunch of fucking dorks who play nintendo and stuff um i think that's a significantly better like wrestling
0: group um this, this um this segment probably put me over it, it probably made me change from all out to all in there's more to it later on in the episode but uh, just yeah this was really funny okay. next up we have pack versus ryan namath uh pack wins with a black arrow and a brutalizer this was a squash match
1: it was good though pack looks so good i was thinking when when does he get the world title because it feels like it's basically that we're set for hangman to take the title at some point off Kenny and that Kenny's going to have a very long run with the title. But it's some- like is Pack the guy who comes after Paige? Like is that He's just such an evil bastard. Like it's fan- he's just fantastic. He's not even playing a bad character at the moment and he's bad. It's great.
0: <laughs> yeah, they'll have to use him at some point. Um I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I, I'm i quite happy for Kenny Omega to keep being this Kenny Omega for at least a year, you know. Yeah.
1: Um, well, particularly if he goes down and if we can get, well, uh, hopefully we're going to get start getting some super shows with NJPW and like, you know, you've got some very interesting opportunities there. But, you know, if he's going to go down and wrestle Rich Swan for the Impact title and, you know, re- wrestle that hack Nick Aldis for the NWA title, like, there, there could be a lot of fun. Like, the idea of, you know, Kenny having all these belts, it could just be fantastic.
0: Next up, we get a video package where Miro recaps last week's wedding uh, of Kip Sabian and Penelope Ford, uh, blames all of the shenanigans on Orange Cassidy, uh, we cut to Cassidy and Chuck. Chuck says to the camera, what do they think was going to happen? And uh, Orange Cassidy says, of course, Orange Cassidy was going to jump out of a cake. Great Orange Cassidy, best friend's work. I,
1: I just I thought this was a star making line. I thought it was like, you know, he has so many of them. But of course, Orange Cassidy was going to jump out of a cake is like a, a <laughs> video promo line in 10 years. Yeah. Like, it's just so good.
0: Yeah, it's Monty Python-esque. No one expects the Spanish Inquisition. Yeah. Uh, it's just like, of course, Orange Cassidy's going to jump out of a cake. <laughs> 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 and, like, they they uh, they managed to make what is potentially an embarrassing promo. Hmm. Um, like, they they lean into it but are also distancing themselves from it at the same time. It was this really kind of cool thing of, like, yeah, we were there and we had fun but also this kind of, like, meta language of, like, of course Orange Cassidy's going to jump out of a cake. Mm. Like, these are the storylines that shouldn't be taken too seriously. I I am pretty much ready for Miro and Orange Cassidy to have a proper feud
1: now. Well, I think where This makes Orange Cassidy and Chucky T look cool uh, compared to Miro, who's taking it real fucking serious and, you know. Yeah. Like, it it was just done well, but yes, let's have a Miro-Orange-Cassidy match. That'll be a lot of fun.
0: I feel like this promo has managed to get this feud on the right track. I'm not saying it's 100% there yet, but I feel like, okay, well, it's heading in the right direction. This could actually be, because we've said this on numerous episodes, but Miro and Orange-Cassidy in a feud should be great promo, should be great wrestling. It should be great. But so far, because of the Kip Sabian part, I mean, it's not Kip's fault, but because of the Kip Sabian and Penelope and the wedding and the this and that and the video games and that all needs to be put to one side. And I just think an old fashioned feud, like we don't like each other mm. and then let the two guys play to their strengths in promos. Yeah. Then you're going to have a really great story going into Revolution. Mm. I can't wait to see it. If it's done correctly. Next up, we're in the gorilla position. Jericho is about to be interviewed by Dasha. She comments on the whole inner circle not being there. All of a sudden, MJF appears out of nowhere uh, and dobbs on Sammy to Chris Jericho, <laughs> says Sammy punched him for no reason, broke one of his ribs, and he's got a big bandage on his ribs. Uh, and Jericho just can't believe it. Jericho can't believe that this is, uh, this is happening. We immediately, their music hits, uh, Chris and MJF's music hit, and we immediately go into Chris Jericho and MJF, uh, versus the acclaimed Jericho and MJF win this with the Judas effect after interference from the inner circle. Um, Sammy then, uh, well, the, all the inner circle except Sammy Guevara, Sammy Guevara comes out after this, confronts Jericho and tells him that he's quitting the inner circle, uh, and then walks down the face tunnel. Mm. Uh, Chris is really sad, uh. Then Alex Marvez does his weird, <laughs> uh, the butler from Mr. Deeds thing where he just <laughs> walks into the camera frame. <laughs> You're under underestimating the sneakiness, sir. At the Gates Daly's place, Sammy says he needs some time away from this place and, and walks off with his 12-year-old backpack. Um, there's a lot in this, Matthew. What did you think? One,
1: I like the acclaim now. Um, wasn't, wasn't expecting that to happen, but I do. Um Two, they did like. I wasn't expecting this to be the episode where the inner circle started to split up. Um, I wasn't expecting this to be how it happened. Uh, I really liked it. I'm glad that this has happened. I'm glad they're not just dragging it out. Um, I'll be interested to see where they go with it.
0: Yeah, uh, this was the exact right moment to pull the trigger on Sammy leaving the inner circle. Uh, I immediately was uh, all in on Sammy being a face, which I didn't think I'd ever say. and, and I have done a full 180 on The Acclaimed. I think it was five episodes ago where I was... I think it was the last solo bolo that I did where I was like, The Acclaim suck. You know, AEW sucks. Dark sucks. Um, well, I think, well, I'd like to retract yeah. those statements and say that I love The Acclaim. I want to see more of them. Uh, they... Yeah, I... I, I they have a natural charisma that just flows. The more comfortable they get, the more I like them, uh, and they're good wrestlers as well. Yeah, I mean they
1: were doing John Cena's old gimmick, and it was embarrassing. But like they were doing it for serious, which made it even more embarrassing. And now they've they're doing they're they're sick. They're really good. They're great television. They're good in the ring. More of the acclaim.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I want to see way more of the acclaim. We cut to a bar. I assume the bar is in Daly's place, even though Big Money Matt said that we we're going to have a Big Money night on the town. Uh, Big Money Matt has just taken him to the same bar that they always go to in Daly's place. But anyway, uh, Hangman Page is drinking with Matt Hardy, who is pretending to drink. Hangman Page signs a contract with Matt. Hardy says that he wanted the cameraman to be there to witness this. And then Hangman Page orders another drink after Matt leaves. Do we think this is a swerve, bro? I don't think it's a swerve,
1: but it's uh, you know, it's gonna create a story, so that's good.
0: You don't think it'll be, you know, something next week where Hangman was like, I didn't sign my actual name, or
1: no, I don't think they. I hope, I hope they're not gonna like, you know, Vince Russo. Like, I, I don't, <laughs> I don't think they're gonna do that. I think they're gonna be Hangman's gonna be like. I didn't want to do like I, you know, I didn't realize what I was doing. You know, this isn't what I wanted. Yeah. And, you know, storyline ensues.
0: Poor Hangman Tony Skiavone is about to interview Sting in the ring uh, when Taz and Big Willie Hobbs appear uh, on the jumbotron and say that they're going on a road trip. Uh, the camera cuts to Ricky Starks and Brian Cage who are zipping up a body bag with Darby Allen in it. Which is then attached, which is attached to the team Taz Limo. They drive out of the car park with Darby Allen being dragged behind the car for real. Stings not happy about this and takes off uh, down the tunnel after them. Uh, this was pretty, pretty cool, right? My name's Darby Allen, and this is the
1: this is the body bag car drag. Um, yes, this is pretty cool. It's hard to, it's yeah. It's good. It makes them look like the worst fucking people on the planet. Like, America does have a pretty bad history of tying people to the back of cars and driving around. And, you know, I'm not sure they necessarily wanted to invoke that particular image, but it's a pretty good one to be like, well, look how shit we are as people.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And and, and as far as timing goes, like, um, you know, there uh, I've heard other people uh like uh, Ross Twiddell from Cultaholic and even Simon Miller from, um, uh, what are those guys called? Uh, what Culture? Sort of talk about how like Team Taz haven't done anything. It's been weeks of Sting and and Darby coming to the ring and them just sort of showing up and going, hey, we don't like you. Well, they, they did do something tonight mm. and uh, <laughs> uh, it really puts them over as the heels in the story, which is great because... Um, You know, there's now a reason for Sting and Darby to be, you know, wanting retribution or Sting, you know, maybe the, I don't know, maybe this turns into just Sting versus Team Taz or, I'm not sure, but I'm I'm really interested to see what happens with the rest of it. Yeah, absolutely. One of the funniest things that I think I've ever seen on Dynamite (laughs) happens here (laughs) (laughs) Kenny Omega is on the golf course. He's in a sand trap about to hit a, a shot out of the bunker onto the green. And Alex Marvers. <laughs> Alex Marvez is quickly becoming my favourite character on Doctor <laughs> he just, He just walks in in a full AEW suit. He's got this weird way of walking as well. Like he's very Um He's got a kind of deer in the headlights. A personality mm. to him on-, on camera. I mean, he asks foreign questions and all that kind of thing, but I like the fact that they're leaning into his awkwardness yeah. and he just... <laughs> he. I don't know if you've noticed, but he just keeps showing up, like, in all of these, like, Kenny Omega promos, he just keeps showing up in weird fucking scenarios. (laughs) Like, why should- he was at Kenny's house a couple of weeks ago, now he's at the golf course that Kenny Omega's had, like, it just makes me laugh so much. Anyway, uh, he interrupts Kenny on the golf course. Kenny says that he isn't worried about tonight's match because he's forgotten how to lose. Uh, And then we get some great Don Callis work in the background. Mm cheating on um kenny's behalf to to let kenny know that he's <laughs> scored an eagle <laughs> yeah this is great we now have a thunder rosa versus layla hirsch in uh, a round one match of the women's number one contender tournament qualifying match that's almost as long as john moxley's new japan title thunder rosa gets the win with the fire thunder driver what did you think of this match, Matthew?
1: I think uh, increasingly, every time I see Thunder Rosa, that Tony Khan at some point has to buy the rights in perpetuity to Thunderstruck by ACDC and put together the like. Just <laughs> let like she's got a sick theme. She doesn't need Thunderstruck as her theme. Thunderstruck is a is a better song than that. But you know, there could be an incredible package with Thunderstruck.
0: Oh, absolutely. What I really liked was that they were actually, they did this a little bit throughout the episode and I would like to see more of it, of the little video package promos mm. just before matches. So as they're getting ready and stuff, they're like, oh, you know, Thunder Rosa had some thoughts about her match uh, earlier mm. today and then it cuts to her, you know, and she just did like a little 30 second promo before this match. But it showed her personality. That I saw a lot of on, on NWA that I really liked. This kind of like cocky... Uh, fun woman that she is, and it was like got to see a bit more of that in that promo, uh, which I was really hmm. appreciative of. Um, I, I just love her. I she might she might be my favorite female wrestler of all time. I can't, it, like, she's gone, yeah. I just, uh, yeah, I just love her on so many levels. Like, <laughs> she's just such an amazing wrestler. I love her promos. Um, I love that she's not letting go of uh, the big nose talk of Britt Baker. Um, and I also love that she called out about three different wrestlers in this promo as well. That, like, she's going to go after Britt Baker. She's going to go after uh, Hikaru Shida. She's going to go after Serena Deeb. Like, it's like, great. Agreed. Oh, uh, next up, we're backstage again. Jungle Boy is speaking with Tony Schiavone. <laughs> he says that... Jurassic Express uh, didn't rat out FTR after getting beaten down by them last week. Sorry, the week before. Um, he says that he wants to face FTR again and he's going to make them his bitches. What do we think of this?
1: Look, he's not the best promo in the world, uh, but he's just such a, like, he's becoming such a transcendent, obvious star. Like, it, it's almost like. Um, When sort of Billy Kidman rocked up in WCW and was part of the flock and you were like, hey, this guy's going to like has the potential to be something and then a couple of years later he's feuding with Hulk Hogan. Like, yeah, Yeah. Jungle Boy in a couple of years is going to be feuding with Hulk Hogan. Feuding with Hulk
0: Hogan, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) No, I agree with you. I think he has potential um, with promos and stuff as Mm. well. He hasn't done many. You know what I mean? Like, he hasn't been in front of the camera in in that um, aspect a lot. So, he'll get better at that the more he yeah, does it. Yeah,
1: like, Steve, Stephen King has this thing where he's like, you know, you can be a, like, kind of shit writer and become a great writer. But if you're a good writer, you're probably never going to become a great writer. Jungle Boy at the moment is a kind of shit uh, promo, but he has the potential to become a really good promo. Um, hmm. Whereas, you know, certain people are sort of where they are as promos and they're always- Anyway,
0: I don't know where I'm going with this. I have sort of- <laughs> I know what you mean. I know what you mean. Like, it's like he's never going to be the best, but he can get better. Like Daniel Bryan. Like Daniel yeah. Bryan was not great as a promo when he first started and has now gotten to the point where he can be really good. Yeah. Uh, but he's still not going to be John Cena or The Rock or Santino Morala. Or Santino <laughs> Uh I love Santino, so of course not you do. Gonna... <laughs> I do, man. I love it. The Cobra. Um, <laughs> next up, we're at your main event, ladies and gentlemen. Kenta and Kenny Omega. It still feels weird to be saying this. Kenta and Kenny Omega versus John Moxley and Lance Archer in a Falls Count Anywhere match. Kenny and Kenta get the win after a V trigger and one wing. One winged angel uh, after interference from the good brothers. There was a lot more that happened in this match. I'd be interested to see what you thought of this, so Mr. Kayfabe. Like,
1: I loved this. Obviously, this was incredible. Uh I liked, I think it, like, made Lance Archer look like, at one point he was, he'd basically taken out Kenta, Kenny Omega, and the good brothers. Like, he just looked unstoppable. The fact that it took four people to, to get him down. Made him look great. He was the best in the ring he's ever been. I'm more interested in Lance Archer now than at any point since that promo where he was in the woods, like, killing hillbillies with Jake Roberts. Um, <laughs> I like that they beat up Jake Roberts. Like, it, you know, it, beating up an old legend is is something I really enjoy heels doing. Like, particularly this Kenny Omega who, like, is such an asshole, and, you know, just... Yeah. If, you know, takes everything personally and is deeply, you know, just needs to be beloved at all points. Um, and also, uh, Kenta is amazing. Um, you know, WWE clearly fucked up by not making him a massive star like he's been absolutely everywhere else uh, he wrestled. Um, like, the fact that when Omega won, they cut back to Kenta, who was just laying fists onto John Moxley. Like, it just made him Mm. look like he was just like, he didn't actually give a fuck about the match. He just wants to hurt Moxley as much as possible. Um, Yeah. Moxley got in a little bit of silly uh, Dean Ambrose gear, hitting people with potatoes, but that's fine. Um, He can't stop himself. He's like, where's my hot dog cart? Um, You know. Uh, it's, he he can't. There is he definitely sometimes leans to Dean Ambrose, and it's confronting. The one thing I would say that was a little bit weird about this was that they ran a ran a package recapping the match in the middle of the match. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, Hol, "Hold on, did this match end? Are we <laughs> what what <laughs> what? They're still wrestling,
0: and we're watching what had happened. What we'd already watched." <laughs> I did notice that it is a weird. I don't. I don't know if that's a trend that's going to take off. I hope but not. Um, yeah, this was. This had a lot of uh, gaga that I like. You know, we got it. We got a, a look at uh, the kitchen. No butcher in the blade working. Unfortunately, I oh. think that would have been a nice little touch to just have them cutting up some carrots in the background. Kenta is the person that I'm most interested in out of these four in this particular match. I was interested to see how they booked him, whether there was, um, you know, like wrestling promotions can be dickheads at times and, you know, they worry about putting other promotions wrestlers over. I mean, this was the reason why promotions kind of closed ranks in the first place was because they would make other promotions, you know, other promotions would make your champion look weak on purpose. Mm. And uh, I I wasn't worried that Tony Khan would do that to Kenta, but I was interested to see how they would, book him it was interesting that they used as an opportunity to put lance archer over um which you know i was just kind of like oh okay cool kenta i'm really glad that you brought up that that section or the you know the the shot of kenta beating up john moxley because i actually thought that he had been booked a bit weakly in that match up until that point i thought that him beating down on moxley after they had won was like, not that Kenta didn't get good offense in and do some amazing things, he did, but d- just the fact that he wasn't part of that uh, ending, like Kenny Omega, you know, it was still Kenny Omega who did everything, which of course he's the AEW champion. Mm. But there was a part of me that was like, oh, I just don't know if they're booking Kenta as well as they could. And then they cut to that shot of him beating up John Moxley. I was like, oh, okay, cool. Overall, I think he's been booked pretty well. But if they hadn't just like shown that last shot, I would have been like, I don't know if they booked Kenta that great in the match. But anyway, it's a small criticism. I really love this. I love Peter Avalon's heart-shaped bed getting crushed. Um, I-, I think if you want to try and get Peter Avalon over, which Cody obviously wants to, mm. show him in that bed all the time. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, that's how you're going to make him an annoying character, where he's just lying in a bed at ringside. I mean... <laughs> How fucking dumb and annoying is that? Mm. Uh but it was good to see him get his come up and s- I agree with you with Lance Archer as well. This is the most interested I've been in him and it's amazing how one match can just completely change your attitude towards a wrestler. Yeah. Kenny Omega is great. The the good brothers are doing such good work mm. as well. Uh Don Callis is literally my favorite person <laughs> in wrestling at the moment, which is weird, but he is. I just love him. He's so gross and evil and disgusting and hilarious and uh yeah love everyone did really great work in this john moxley loves as you say getting as dumber things as possible into hardcore in inverted commas matches um he can't stop himself he can't help himself <laughs> yeah uh i mean he did have a baseball bat with wire wrapped around it as well just to counteract that but uh And they did some real non-Triple-H
1: shots with that. Like, there looked like there was some actual get it. Like, you know, Carl Anderson was wearing the Impact uh, World title belt, but he took a a shot to the title belt pretty hard. It was good. I liked it. It looked like he was actually getting hit with a baseball bat. Not, you know, it was more Mick Foley than Triple-H. I know you're a Triple-H guy, but, like, (laughs) I think in those hardcore matches...
0: (laughs) Ah, I'm just gonna leave that there. Let it become kayfabe. Um, <laughs> and uh, and uh, uh, I really loved Kenta's running, sort of, uh, what would you call it, power drop off the stage onto yeah, to John Moxley. Gr- that was
1: in the 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 stomp. Like that was incredible. That was probably the best moment of the match. That's the mo- that's the thing that uh, comes out of that match. In in. Video packages, right?
0: Yeah, and yeah, and Kenta gets, you know, he gets his moment. And it's also a good advertisement for Japanese wrestling. Mm. It's like, you know, if if you were sitting with a mate who'd never watch any Japanese wrestling, you'd be like, oh, that's how they hit each other all the time in yeah. every match for hours on end.
1: Kenta, <laughs> Kenta also tweeted uh, at the end of this match, uh, he tweeted, living my fucking life. See you AEW. So, <laughs> so i hope kent is coming back um but if not that's the
0: most impeccable way to leave <laughs> that's fucking great i want to. i want that to be our side off from now on <laughs> from now on matt and i are living our fucking life <laughs> see ya wrestle wolf <laughs> yeah that's awesome i i uh I mean, there is, is there any reason for Kenta to be on again? There really isn't. I mean, it's, it's sort of, you know, Moxley now moves across to that weird American New Japan show that New Japan have got.
1: I just want King Switch. That's all I want. Like, a Kenta can come back. Very happy to have Kenta. Let's get, let's get Switchblade
0: on AEW. Yeah, man. He cut another promo during the week. He's just on fire. His promos are so good. And- he somehow manages to make a, a, a Kiwi accent sound evil. Hmm. I don't know if I'm biased because I've had a couple of ex-girlfriends who are Kiwis, but, like, uh, the accent to me has always been like, aw. You know what I mean? Whenever I hear a Kiwi accent, I'm like, oh, you guys are adorable. I mean, that's so patronising to a whole... Have you seen Have you seen Once Once Were Warriors? Yeah, I know. I knew you were going to bring that up, but I... <laughs> But anyway, in my head, I'm always like, Kiwi accent is super cute and adorable, and then Jay White cuts a promo, and I'm like, oh, Jay White, it's such a... Oh, God, I hate you so much. But yeah. But anyway, the relationship now exists, so hopefully there is a... Um, yeah, hopefully there's more New Japan stuff on, on AEW. Um, mm. But yeah, this was a great episode, man. I loved it. Um, and I'm, I'm looking forward to uh no surrender on the weekend i'll check that out and um the impact pay-per-view by the way kids if you don't know what i'm talking about (laughs) and uh yeah i just think AEW is really humming along at the moment i think they've not that they were out of form but i think they're in top gear right now and uh, i'm looking forward to next week like actually can't wait to watch next week's episode
1: yep absolutely agree. they're hitting on all all cylinders, and they referenced Sting, uh, Tomato Face Sting from the NWO Wolfpack today. <laughs> yeah, so, like, you had to be—I
0: <laughs> was excited. I-, I was excited. I, I, <laughs> I love those little things where it's like, you know, too sweet, too sweet, me, bro. Throw it up, throw that up there. And then, <laughs> and then Matt, like, I like uh, Matt Hardy being, uh, not Matt Hardy, Matt Jackson Matt being Jackson. like embarrassed about it as well. It's like, is that? A story like is that the beginning of a story or is that just like a little bte joke that i don't get uh gallows and anderson are funny man like they're yeah they are know, funny they're wrestling funny but they're funny and mm. uh yeah the reference to Wolfpack stinger you're gonna know, too sweet me bro <laughs> uh was great anyway we're fucking living our lives so <laughs> let's get out of here matt see you see you brother friends <laughs> until next week brother friends pepe is dead